But the story of Cain and Abel is a family story that happens early on in history in the world. In the book of Genesis, we're presented with the creation of the whole world, including the creation of humanity, beginning with Adam and Eve. And God says, all is good. All is very good. Well, then we move forward from the creation where all is good to the fall of Adam and Eve, and ultimately the fall of humanity. Sin entered the world, and sin continued to spread through the world like a raging disease. I mean, we think that COVID is bad, while sin is worse. Genesis 4, in Genesis 4, we move quickly now into the birth of Cain and Abel, and into their adult life. And then Genesis 4, we read the dramatic story of the first murder mentioned in Scripture. And yes, this story involves murder, but it's also a story of what God has done for his people and then how his people can respond to sin in our lives. So as we prepare to read Genesis 4, 1 through 16, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, this morning again we read a disturbing story from your word, a story of hatred and evil, murder and lies. And we know that this is contrary to your will and yet it still occurs. And in your word, whether we murder someone or even hate someone, these are equal sins before you, and these are all against your will. So provide us clarity this morning what you are speaking to us through your word, and provide us words of hope, assurance, and words of grace. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Genesis 4, 1 through 16, and Teresa did a fine job of uh, telling us a lot about this passage as well, but I'll still read it through. Genesis 4, 1 through 16. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I've brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of the flock, The Lord looked with favor on Abel in his offering, but on Cain in his offering, he didn't look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Well, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear, and today you're driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence, and I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
It was in 2010 where there was a BP rig explosion and oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. This spill occurred over a period of five months and continued with catastrophic effects. One of the rig workers had noticed that the oil, the, the oil leak weeks before the explosion. And if this error had been dealt with immediately and properly, it's possible that the outcome would have been substantially different. However, the leak occurred. It was ignored. The rig exploded. The pipeline burst. And horrific damage took place. And the implications of this spill were enormous. There were astronomical financial and environmental implications. 11 people lost their lives. 17 people were injured. 210 million gallons of oil poured into the Gulf. That works out to about 16 million average size car gas tanks. Or every single car in Ontario and Quebec being filled up and then dumped into the Gulf of Mexico. Extensive damage was incurred to wildlife and marine habitats and fishing and tourism industries, and the impact not only affected the BP company, but extended much further to people and to the creation. Like this oil spill, sin is often noticeable, and yet it's too often ignored. And when ignored, it tends to progress and damage further. Sin takes over and and sin makes its mark on us, on our environment and on our relationships with one another and our God. Sin is deadly. In Genesis 4 here, we're provided another story about the deadly spill and impact of sin. Genesis 4 involves two hardworking brothers. Cain was a gardener and, and Abel was a shepherd. And these two brothers made offerings to God related to their specific vocations and the fruits of their labor. Now, Scripture does not actually state that God commanded these offerings. It appears that the two men presented these offerings to the Lord, perhaps following their parents' examples. Both Cain and Abel were presenting offerings to God on account of their worship. Offerings are part of our regular worship to God. Now, we learn that Abel's offering was pleasing and favorable to God. Abel offered the fat portions, the best portions of his flock. Abel offered the first fruits. And offering first fruits is faith-based offering. Because if you offer first fruits, you don't know what fruits will come after that. So you first give by faith. Cain's offering was not received by faith with received by God with favor. In the New Testament, actually, in the book of Hebrews 11, verse 4, we read, By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith Abel was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. Both Cain and Abel worshipped God with their offerings. They both came to the altar in what appeared to be with gratitude. Well, the difference was not really in their offerings although one was more acceptable than the other. But the difference actually originated in what was in their hearts. Cain did not worship God with his whole heart. He gave an offering, but not a wholehearted offering. Psalm 4 verse 5 states, Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Well, Cain did not offer the right sacrifice. Cain 
did not trust in the Lord. Cain came to worship with an evil heart. Now, Cain was not rejected because of his offering. Rather, his offering was rejected because of Cain's heart. Cain was jealous. He was selfish. He was angry. And yet, out of mercy, God provided Cain direction. In verse 7, the Lord said to him, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. So God is making Cain aware of the sin spill in his life. Do something about it now before it's too late. God is warning Cain that sin is crouching. It's right at his door. Sin desires to have him. And Cain has the ability to rule over his sin, to control his sin, to control the damage that follows. Now, you don't rule sin by ignoring it and sweeping it under the proverbial rug. You rule sin by confronting it. But Cain ignores his sin. And then he becomes angry with God and and even with others. And so this story presents the first murder mentioned in the Bible. But it's not only a story of wrong offerings and wrong worship, nor is it a story of only about murder. It's a story about progression into sin. And Cain didn't heed God's warning. And his sin continued to progress. It began with his heart being wrong, which was evident in his worship and offerings. He didn't listen to God. And Cain's anger continued, and he invited his brother Abel to the field, and then attacked his brother, and he killed him. And then Cain continued to sin even further. God asked Cain where his brother was, and Cain continued to reflect a life of selfishness by replying, am I my brother's keeper? And then Cain continued with a lie to God and said, I don't know. Cain didn't deal with the the sin spill. And then this led into further sins. And then trying to cover up the previous sins. Sin is crouching at the door. Do not let sin rule over you. So God provides Cain another chance to confess and to acknowledge his sin. And so God asks, what have you done? It's not that God didn't know what had just happened. God wanted Cain to admit and to repent and confess his sins before God. But Cain didn't take this responsibility of his actions in the sins. Cain allowed the sin to rule over his life. Cain allowed this sin spill to become catastrophic to him and to others. So Cain is ignoring his sins, and he's just not dealing with them. He doesn't acknowledge that he needs God's intervention and God's saving grace. And as a result, he lived outside of God's presence and God's promises. Sin alienates people from God. So sin is real. And sin pervades all areas of our lives. As this pastor said, sin crouches at our door. And sin desires to take a hold of us, but sin does not have to rule our life. As verse 7 states, we need to rule over our sin. Now, sin is personal because it impacts the individual greatly. And it impacts each of us personally. But sin is also interpersonal. 
because it affects you and me and, and everyone around us. It affects the community. Sin impacts our relationships with one another. Sin impacts our relationship with God. Sin impacts our decisions and, and how we behave. Presently, I, I'm reading a book titled Unoffendable, and it's by Brant Hansen. And in this book, it, it refers a lot to anger. And just as Cain, many people harbor anger in their hearts. Perhaps this anger relates to a broken relationship or maybe a comment that was directed intentionally at someone or maybe even taken out of context. Or sometimes we don't even know anymore where our anger originated from. The premise of this book is that we can allow our anger and our sin to be uncontrollable like an oil spill or we can learn to control our anger and our bitterness and even remove it. Now, along with anger, people often live with unforgiveness. And Scripture commands us to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And yet, we're too stubborn and prideful to forgive often. And we carry the sin of unforgiveness within us. And when we do this, this sin progresses. It damages us. It changes who God calls us to be. It it damages the environment we live in and those around us. It damages our relationships with one another and with God. Just with Cain, sin crouching at our door could alien us in our relationship with God. So it's very dangerous harboring hurts or bitter feelings or anger and unforgiveness in our hearts. Because Satan is going to use this to his advantage. Satan will use this as an invitation because, again, as Scripture says, he's crouching at your door. When we come to the Lord's table, as we'll be doing next week, or when we bring our offerings forward each week, or when we serve the church or, or serve God's people, if we don't do this with the right heart, God doesn't want it. You can attend all the church services you can and all the church meetings, and this doesn't mean that you are doing what is acceptable to God. It all comes down to what is in our hearts. And sin is so easily crouching at the door. And so we need to reflect on how is our heart of worship? Do we come to church with grudges or bitter feelings in our hearts? Do we go through the week with these same things? Because these things not only hurt our fellowship with one another, these things hurt our fellowship with God. And Satan is right there, ready to lead us further into sin. Well, Cain allowed his sin to progress and to just pervade his relationships. And yet God finds Cain. God doesn't leave humanity alone. We learned that already right at the beginning of creation. And we learned that again here. God intervenes. And God approached Cain to allow him the opportunity to come clean with his sins. Now Cain was still punished. He had to live outside the presence of his family as a wanderer. And even more devastating, he lived outside the presence of God. Cain complained that the punishment was too great for him to bear and that people are just going to be after him and kill him. God indicated that God will protect Cain by putting a mark on his forehead that no one will kill him. God punished Cain, but also God did not give Cain what he deserves. 
God extended mercy to Cain. And God protected Cain. People out of mercy, God does not give us what we deserve either. God protects us. In fact, God goes further with us. God extends his grace to us because God also forgives us and our God saves us. And we are sinners and our sins have impacted our lives and have spilled into the lives of others. But our God of mercy and grace provides us direction. And God also says to each of us that sin is crouching at your door. What are you going to do? Now he's already done something. But what are we going to do? When there is sin that lingers in our lives, we need to deal with it. And then we need to let it go. Because God has already come to us with forgiveness. And all our sins, our past, present, even our future sins have been dealt with at the cross. But we need to believe this. We need to accept this. We hear the words that resonate from 1 John 1, verses 8 to 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we've not sinned, while we make him out to be a liar and his words not in us. We need to go to God with an open heart and to admit and confess our sins. See, when confession occurs, we realize the sin. And then we believe that Jesus Christ has already moved that sin. All the sins. The past can't be changed. But we don't have to be prisoners of our past sins either. And often when we confess our sins, you know, there's, there can be guilt or shame. And then we have to take all that guilt before the Lord and ask him to remove that too. And then, of course, like an oil spill, there is some repairs that need to take place and even some messes that need cleaning up. But God is with us on this journey too. Sin is still crouching at our door. The devil is real. But we can take our rightful place as a forgiven child of God in the name of Jesus Christ. We live in a world that's full of sin. And yeah, there's punishment. But our punishment's not eternal death. Our punishment is not a removal from the presence of God. And yet somebody had to pay for all this. And thankfully it's not us. But Jesus Christ has taken upon all our sins, our punishment upon himself, The slate has been wiped clean through Jesus Christ. Our sins don't go unpunished, but out of mercy, Jesus has has taken them upon him. And so have faith and believe in Jesus and that he has forgiven all your sins. Again, confession of our sins does not remove the sin or the guilt. Only Jesus can remove the sin and the guilt. A confession of our sins is recognition that, yeah, we're sinful and we can't save ourselves. And we need God to save us through his son, Jesus Christ. And God has given his one and only son to us. Have faith in Jesus.
Sin results in the separation of God from humanity. So here we are, and here God is, and there's this big gap in between. But Christ has bridged that gap. He has bridged that separation. Sin continues to crouch at the door. But how are you going to respond? Are we going to be ruled by sin, or are we going to rule over sin by being ruled by Jesus in our lives? By having faith in him. Don't let our Cain attitude prevail. Don't let whatever past sins we have keep us a prisoner in the present. I mean, we're all like Cain. But the good news is that we are not lost from God's presence. By God's amazing grace, we can master the sin that is crouching at our door. Take it to Jesus and believe in all that he has done for you. And instead having to live with a mark on our forehead, fearful for others around us, we get to live in freedom. Freedom with our hearts renewed by Jesus. Thanks be to our God. Let's conclude with a time of confession and assurance. I'm going to be reading from a couple passages from John 1 and John 2 and Perhaps you just want to listen with your eyes open or your eyes closed, and then I'll lead us into a time of prayer. So 1 John 1, verse 5 to 10, we heard some of these verses already. But this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Let us pray together. Father God, we are sinners. And we live in a world full of sin and brokenness. And so we come before you recognizing that there are times that we allow sin to rule over us. Well, work in in us through the power of your Spirit so that we can rule over the sins. Work in us through the power of your Spirit so that we will follow you. Where there's lack of forgiveness or hurts or anger, brokenness, gossip, sexual sins, addictions, whatever sin has got a hold of us, and is crouching at our doors, we confess this before you. And we do this in this moment of silence at this time. We ask, Lord, that you forgive us our sins through Jesus Christ. Through the power of your Spirit, help us to repent, to change, 
to transform more and more into your likeness. And maybe you're calling us to clean up some of our sin spells and clean up our messes. Encourage and guide us through this journey. We thank you for your forgiveness and your grace through your son, Jesus Christ. And help us to have faith in the saving grace of Jesus and help us to respond by allowing you to be ruler of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.